0: hello and happy new year you are starting it off right listening to time out with lindsey and grayson i'm lindsey fulcher
1: and i'm grayson eaton and today off his maiden chili bowl nationals appearance we have dirt track driver caden cornell on the show
0: we also have professional hockey player swamp rabbit centerman brendan Connolly to join us later on
1: so to kick things off let's rewind back to a few weeks ago what did you think of the chili bowl How about that A-Main? Wasn't that awesome?
0: Oh, yeah. I've watched a lot of clips recently from the past Chili Bowls, and that definitely seemed like one of the wilder A-Mains that we've seen in a while. The battle between eventual winner Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, and others was everything race fans wanted and needed.
1: Yeah, but what a heartbreaking moment that was for Christopher Bell in the final laps, where he unfortunately added to that famous Chili Bowl flip count while trying to chase down eventual winner Kyle Larson from second place.
0: Yes, but on the bright side, Christopher was doing okay after that wild accident, he's looking ahead to the Daytona 500, where he will make his debut with Joe Gibbs Racing in the NASCAR Cup Series.
1: Yep, and the Daytona 500, just a couple weeks away. I can't wait for everything to get started up again on Daytona 500 week. There will be a lot of excitement this year because of some of the driver changes in new teams like 2311 Racing, co-owned by NBA Hall of Famer Michael Jordan, and then Team Trackhouse co-owned by Grammy award-winning artist Pitbull.
0: There are a lot of eyes on those two teams with their worldwide owners. See what I did there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, I did see what you did there. But Mr. Worldwide, Austin known as Pitbull, and Michael Jordan will both look to turn heads in their debut seasons with drivers Daniel Suarez and Bubba Wallace. But I believe there is a great future ahead of those teams
0: I agree. I think that goes for the entire sport of NASCAR following recent stances on issues that affect the world today. But in other news, NASCAR is different than it has ever been before as they've made some serious schedule changes for the National Series this season and have been developing the next generation car set to debut in 2022.
1: Both of those really, really big deals for the sport, as this is the first major schedule change that has included new venues in years. In 2022 will be the first time a new generation car has been introduced since 2013. So be sure, fans, to check out all the details on NASCAR.com.
0: Yes, coming right up after this quick break, we have our first guest of the show, Caden Cornell. We'll be right back with more Timeout with Lindsey and Grayson. Stick with us.
2: in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits, you'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in your car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun! go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it.
4: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
0: welcome back grayson and i are now joined by 2021 chili bowl nationals competitor and dirt track driver caden cornell the driver out of willard missouri made his chili bowl debut this year with the dom motorsports team caden thanks for joining us today how are you doing
5: oh thank you guys for having me on but uh it's a normal day here in missouri kind of kind of cruddy outside but you guys doing okay
1: we're doing great caden To start things off, let's get right to it. Driver's dream of making a start in the famed Chili Bowl Nationals. It's what many dirt drivers work towards their entire career. What was the moment like when you walked into the Tulsa Expo Center for the first time as a Chili Bowl driver?
5: Oh, it was uh, definitely, uh, like you said, definitely a lifelong dream of mine to to do it. I definitely didn't think I would... uh, get to do it as, as soon as I got to do it, I was hoping maybe one day it was going to happen, but just with, uh, kind of the racing path, I went with my late model and modified stuff. Uh, normally that path doesn't lead to the chili bowl. So, um, for me, it was, uh, it was one heck of an experience. I mean, I, uh, like I said, it it was a dream come true for me. So, um, it's, uh, it's definitely something that I wish everyone could, could get to experience. I, I would say that I won't ever uh, get to feel something like that ever again. So definitely uh, was an awesome deal for sure.
0: The Chili Bowl Nationals enables drivers to compete against other competitors across different forms and ranks of motorsports. Kaden, what was it like competing against someone like NASCAR Cup Series veteran Ryan Newman, as you did in the C Feature 1 on January 13th?
5: Oh, it was super cool. I mean, the uh, the names definitely uh, can get in your head for sure. That's that's no doubt. Um, I almost had it was better off if I just looked at everyone as a number instead of actually knowing who they were. So, um, it, it's definitely one of those deals where where you can get starstruck really really easy. But I mean, everyone uh, everyone straps on the helmet just like just like you do. So uh, you just got to remember that and just go go do what you do and. Um, I'll say just just go drive. That's really all you can do and, and hope it goes well. Maybe a little luck falls your way.
1: So despite facing mechanical issues throughout the week, something that was unfortunately out of your control, your team never gave up and fought all the way to race day on Saturday prior to the main event. How did these challenges prepare and motivate you going into whatever lies ahead?
5: Oh, it was definitely uh, – I mean, it was, it was tough. I mean, like you said, they're really uh, – kind of out of everyone's control it was just kind of uphill battle after uphill battle with with it but um just kind of freak stuff that that really we uh we we didn't expect to happen so um it definitely put us behind the eight ball and at one of those races like that especially i mean that's one of the biggest races in the world so um a race like that you just if you fall behind it's really really hard to uh hard to catch back up so especially with me being I mean that was my first time in a midget ever so um I was learning every time I went out there so um just every lap counted and there was a few times where we didn't get as many laps as, as we hoped and I mean it was just kind of out of everyone's control but um hopefully hopefully I'll get to do it again next year maybe um I want to say or, or whenever maybe one of these days I'll get to do it again and Hopefully we'll have a little bit better luck with with everything and uh like I said, I, I I would love to do it again. It was it was one heck of a deal and I, I would love to maybe run a little bit more open wheel stuff if, if that opportunity came and it didn't conflict with my late model stuff. I would uh I'd love to jump in some, some open wheel stuff. They're definitely uh very unique race cars, that's for sure.
0: For fans that may not know how your story began, how did you get your start in racing? From what I hear, you're very popular at the Lucas Oil Speedway where you race the number fifty dirt late model for Hoover Motorsports.
5: Yeah. Um actually so I started uh go kart racing when I was uh four years old. Um, I guess you could call me a, a third generation racer. My my grandpa never drove but um he was always around racing and then my dad actually actually raced some and uh and when I was born, he, uh, he raced for a few more years and then he hung it up once I showed interest in it. And like I said, I got started r- go-kart racing, um, actually outlaw wing carts when I was uh, about four years old, um, kind of raced those for a few years and they kind of died off here, here around home. So then we went, what what they call flat cart racing. And, uh, I was very fortunate to uh, be able to travel a lot doing that. We got to go kind of all over the country doing that, and run some big national events and that stuff. So, um, I ran those till I was about, uh, probably, I think I was 13 once I got into a full on stock car, which I got into a modified there. Um, and I ran modified um, for a few years and had some, some decent luck there. Um, had a ton of top five runs. Um, unfortunately never picked up any wins in it, but, um, I, I, I don't know how many dang top five runs that I was having. So we were pretty consistently up front there. And then when I was 16, uh, kind of a life-changing opportunity came came to me a guy by the name of rick hoover um gave me the call and wanted to know if i'd be interested in in driving his late model stuff so uh that's when i when i went late model racing and um we're still doing it today and like i said it's uh it was a life-changing deal and i'm definitely very blessed that that he uh he picked me to drive for him i'll say around here there's a lot of uh young talent around here, just like me. And I was just very fortunate that he he gave me the opportunity. And uh, we've been, we've been running late models ever since then. Um, Now I'm 20. Um, So this will be my fourth, fourth year with him. And uh, we're, we're still going strong and I'm going to, I'd say uh, with everything we've got going on this winter, I'd say we're, we're looking towards probably our our best season we've ever had coming this year. So um, I'll say it's, uh, it's definitely exciting and I'm ready to, ready to kick it off for sure.
1: As we are officially right at the doorstep of a new season of motorsports, what are your plans for twenty twenty
5: one? So this year we're actually going to uh, run a bunch of open late model stuff. The past few years I've been running what they call ULMA back here at home, and um, it, it's just more of a, a limited late model. It's it's steel block stuff, and uh, we're uh, we're going to go full full open bore um, this coming year. The last year we kind of dabbled in it some and um had a little bit of a success with it just uh we if you're gonna go run that open stuff you gotta have your have your ducks in a row that's for sure um but we're gonna run pretty much a, a full open schedule this year um and we'll, we're not gonna follow any series um or anything like that we're probably gonna hit a bunch of mlra races and comp cams races and then when the big guys come come close we'll probably go run with them with the looks to a late mile tour and, go run with them guys and stuff but all the big races at wheatland at, at lucas and stuff I'll, I'll for sure be at all those and um pretty much anything around our four state area if it's uh if it's a big money race for open late model race we'll uh, we're definitely going to try to be there that's for sure
0: you know you mentioned before that it doesn't matter who you're racing with because you know everyone puts on their helmets the same way each morning how does that mindset help you do you have anything specific that you do prior to a race
5: um, I really don't have any crazy 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 superstitions or anything like that. Uh I the only the only thing I, I, I can't eat most of the time I stay away from, from peanuts on <laughs> on race day, so that's about my only thing I do on race day that, that's my superstition. House. But other than that it's uh it, it's just you just gotta make sure uh I, I most of the time I try to get a good night's rest before I race. Sometimes your nerves uh, can wear you out, especially I get that chili bowl deal. I remember my prelim night. I was, uh, I was definitely, definitely really, really nervous. So, um, but once you, once you strap in and, um, you get everything started and you get out there on the racetrack, everything kind of calms down and you just go put the visor down and go race like everyone else. So, um, it's, uh, I want to say if hopefully one day it's what I do for a living. So hopefully you just go to your office and do what
1: you do. So, so, Kaden, I'm curious. Why do you stay away from peanuts?
5: Oh, I, I, you know, I don't really know. Everyone around here, I've always heard that peanuts are bad luck on race day, so I just never, I never ate, I don't eat peanuts on race day. The other one is I've always heard greens bad luck on race cars, so I've never, I've never had a green race car r- really. So um, I want to say I, I stay away from those two. I, I don't need to press my luck any. <laughs>
1: I've actually never heard of that in the asphalt world, so maybe that's something in dirt. I don't know. Maybe
5: yeah, I, I was gonna say, maybe it's a Missouri thing. We're kind of crazy down here.
1: So. <laughs> well, we have a lot of craziness in South Boston, too, so it could be. I'll do some digging and see if I can come back with that on the next show. But anyway, Caden, it's time for our part of the show where we read off sports lingo and have a player or driver from a different sport give their best guess on the meaning okay the last two
0: shows <laughs> the last two shows Caden we have given hockey players some motorsports sports language to guess but we're gonna switch it up a bit
1: so <laughs> you are the first ever driver on timeout with Lindsay and Grayson to guess hockey language do you think you can do it
5: uh, it's pro- I'm probably going to butcher it, so I hope to- I hope no hockey people hate me. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, you're going to do great. we well, have three terms for you, so if you're ready, term number one is going to be bottle rocket. What do you think that's referring to?
5: Um, maybe like a, like a slap shot of some sort, like maybe when they, well, maybe it's like a fast shot or something at the goal i don't know
0: you know that actually is pretty close so the actual definition is when a goal breaks the goalie's water bottle that sits on top of the net so very close but it's actually kind of more literal on literally it hits the bottle on top of the net
1: (laughs) (laughs) so our second term is yard sale oh boy
5: oh um Maybe it's like uh, maybe the maybe it's like whenever they kind of get in like a scrum and they like uh, like all they start pulling their jerseys off and then they're like out on the uh, out on the ice like a yard sale like a bunch of jerseys out there like in the front yard kind of maybe it's like on the ice I don't know <laughs> I don't have a clue on that one
1: <laughs> That's you know what that's actually really close it's when a player gets hit so hard that he loses his equipment, such as his helmet, stick, or gloves, and they are left on the ice after the play. So that was a really, really good guess.
5: Oh, I
0: guess so. Yeah, close. I would say you got that right. <laughs> so you're 50-50 right now. So then we've got term three, our third term, and our final term is going to be top shelf. What do you think that means?
5: Um... Is that when, like, you hit the you, – you shoot at the goal and, like, you hit it in the top corners maybe?
0: Caden, have you played hockey before? You're killing it. No,
5: I, I used to have a hockey game back in the day on, like, an Xbox, but that's about it.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that obviously did well for you. So the actual definition is the upper section of the goal's net between the crossbar and the goaltender's shoulders. But I would say he got two out of three of those right. What do you think, Grayson?
1: No, that's so amazing. That, Caden, you did so much better than I did because I am new to hockey myself.
5: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I probably need to go buy a lottery ticket. (laughs)
1: I'm pretty lucky. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how I. (laughs) Well, is there any other hockey lingo that you're familiar with?
5: Ah. I know the St. Louis Blues. That's kind of the home team around here. That's about all I know. I, I, I I'm, I'm bad. I don't watch a whole lot of hockey. I, about all I watch is football and racing. So, um, it's, I, I know they check each other sometimes. I think that's when they like hit each other or something. But that's all I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that well,
4: sounds like
5: me. It seems
0: like you know. It seems like you know a lot more than you thought you did. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Before we go, is there anything you would like to say to our, to your sponsors and support group that assist you in working your way through the motorsports ranks?
5: Oh, yeah, for sure. I would just, um, For sure, I just want to thank everyone that supported me on that Chili Bowl deal. Like I said, it was uh, definitely, it, it was a very last minute deal, but um, I just want to thank uh, CRC, uh, Shelby Park Marketing, Richmar Flourish, Quality Roof Seamers, uh, A-Main Podcast. they all the guys that that helped me do that deal, it was a super de- fun deal. And then, of course, Zach Dahl Motorsports and all those guys, their crew and everything, man, they treated me like gold all week. So um, it, it was a super fun deal. And I of course want to thank uh, everyone that supports my late model stuff for sure. Um, Hoover Motorsports and all of our all of our sponsors that that help us out with that deal. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, the 2021 race season. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully COVID stays away and we can get a full race season in, and hopefully it's a good one. It looks like it's off to a pretty good start with Chili Bowl and Speed Weeks and everything down south, so I can't wait.
1: Yes, we are all looking forward to a new season of motorsports, but with that said, Caden, thank you so much for joining us. It was a blast having you on. We can't wait to follow your career throughout 2021.
5: Thank you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Dot com, or you can email them at office at Inc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way.
3: HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits & Shoes, Fireproof underwear, lifeline fire systems, and even race com radio kits. HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your specific safety needs.
1: Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back, listeners, hockey and motorsports fans. We are now joined by professional hockey player and Ferris State graduate, Brendan Connolly. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: We are great. Brendan, this is your 12th season in professional hockey, and you're quite the legend in Greenville, South Carolina, being ranked second all-time in scoring in Greenville hockey history.
4: Yeah, fortunately I was able to um, play some of my early early days in my career in Greenville. I played for three years, um, absolutely loved it. Um, we had really good teams at the time, um, a lot of good players came through, um, and I was just fortunate enough to play with a lot of good players. Loved my time in Greenville, and um, when I had an opportunity to be able to play here again, um, it was kind of a no-brainer. So I took it.
0: Yeah. Your first time in Greenville, you had three Kelly cup playoff runs and scored 166 points in 150 games with the road warriors, which now the listeners is actually called the swamp rabbits, which you hear us talk about often. And now you have come back for more action. What's it like being back in Greenville this season completely?
4: It's great. I love it. Um, you know, it's been a long time since I played here. Um, I, you know, I've gone up to Alaska, played up there for a couple of years, and then I've been overseas for the last five years. So it's been a long time. Um, you know, it was kind of funny going back down to the rink. Um, you feel like a lot of things are going to change, but it's kind of just like the the same old thing. And you get back in the locker room, a lot of a lot of things start to feel familiar. Um, things like that. There's there's some uh, equipment guys and some volunteers that are still doing it to this day that we're doing it when I was playing. So it was always nice to catch up with them and talk with them.
0: Amazing.
1: What what is the motivation and energy like for you to get to that Kelly cup playoff spot once again?
4: Well, I mean, that's what, that's what you play for. I mean, if you're, if you're any type of hockey player, you play to win, you play to compete, you want to be on the best teams Um, winning those trophies, just further enhance your career in terms of, Uh, progression to the next level Um, you always want to be considered a winner when someone's talking about you so those are like the motivations for you to get yourself into a playoff spot and then try to make the most of it
0: well after watching the way that this team has been playing and the energy that the new coach Andrew Lord brings in I have no doubt this group of guys is fighting to go all the way Brendan we talked about your performance as a road warrior but your journey had really just begun at that point you know, at the beginning of this season, I saw that you have a career high of 618 points in only 603 games. Like, what is the secret to staying consistent throughout all of these years?
4: Uh, I don't know. I get, I guess routine-oriented. I just try to take my, my off-ice training seriously. You just try to show up every day and be the best version of yourself, and you kind of just let those things take care of themselves. I'd say, fortunately for me, you know, I've been able to be on some very good teams with some very good players, so I've got to play on lines with, with some exceptional guys and um, have been able to benefit from it.
1: Well, experience has certainly given you plenty of personal accolades. You had been called to play in the ECHL All-Star Game and named the ECHL Performer of the Year in 2011. Shortly after, you were the ECHL Player of the Month twice and more recently, named an EIHL second team All Star in 2020. But your career hasn't just been on the East Coast. You have done some traveling too, right?
4: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I've, been, I've played up in Alaska, I've played over in Austria, Germany, Denmark, um, done a lot of traveling.
0: Brendan, I don't know if you can tell, but it's very clear that we think you're a pretty big deal. So you mentioned <laughs> you played overseas. I'd read that you played in Hungary, Germany, Copenhagen, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and England. What was that experience like?
4: Um, they're great. I mean, each each one is, is different. It's unique in its own regard. Um, you know, one of the reasons, I guess, when you kind of get over to Europe, um, for my wife and I, it was kind of about traveling. So we never really stuck around with one team. We wanted to go to different countries and play in different leagues. And and experience different cultures and fortunately we we've, we've been able to do that and i've been able to find um, different places to play in different countries and um, we've enjoyed every single place we've we've ended up both the hockey side and and the traveling and the country that we're living in um, so we've been very fortunate the places we've gone
0: and how would you say it's different from here in the united states
4: um it's different in the sense because the East Coast League is such a it's a developmental league um, guys are starting their careers here and trying to get to the next level it's I would say it's much more intense guys will take um, guys here take their training their practice habits their game habits much uh, more serious over there it's a little bit Um, I guess a lot of older guys will go over there just to kind of extend your career. The game, you don't play as many games. It's not quite as physical. There's no real um, call-ups, so to speak. So where you're playing is where you're playing. Um, So it's a little bit different in that sense. The competition maybe is not quite uh, as aggressive and the games aren't quite as aggressive. Um, But uh, with that being said, when you are playing on a team where you know that that's your team for the whole season, um, it really helps to build camaraderie. You really
1: build a good group of friends. Both your father and your brother come from a hockey background as well. What was that like growing up? and how did that contribute to your career?
4: Uh, definitely has a huge influence, I'd say. I mean, my dad moved um, to Canada when he was fourteen from Northern Ireland. So um, I think for him trying to you know make friends and things like that, it was you got to kind of play hockey and, and be part of a team. He couldn't skate very well, so they put him in the net, and then, um, you know, my brother's two and a half years older than me, so, you know, we were on skates since we were four years old, and for me, it was just constantly trying to keep up with him and his friends, and, you know, if I couldn't hack it, they wouldn't let me hang out. They wouldn't let me play hockey with them, so um, just that competition and pushing to, to be able to keep up with them,
1: I think, definitely helped me in my career. Did you guys happen to have a favorite NHL team together?
4: Uh, my brother's a Flames fan just because we grew up uh, in Banff, which is just outside Calgary, so he,
1: he kind of grew up a Flames fan.
4: For me, I always I cheered for the Islanders, um, which is a bit random being a Canadian kid and choosing a team from New York. But um, just watching the Islanders, when I was a kid growing up, they were playing against you know um, the Edmonton Oilers, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, all Hall of Fame players, and I always appreciated the team that was kind of able to beat the – the dynasty or what was the dynasty so um kind of just started liking them from an early age and just stuck with it
0: yeah well i mean since we're affiliated with the florida panthers have you seen yourself watching a lot of those games now
4: if the if they're on i'll definitely watch them um florida doesn't make a whole lot of the national broadcasts um Mm -hmm. unfortunately but yeah when they when they do get on i like to watch them um I imagine probably as I, as I get a little bit older, maybe some of our guys that we're playing with now will eventually be playing for, for Florida, so I'll get to watch them, and then I'll definitely be keeping an eye out.
0: Yeah, well, you're probably always doing interviews about what it's like on the ice, but what is life like outside the rink? What do you do in your free time?
4: Um, during the season, my free time will probably you know, I like to train still, so I'll, I'll lift after practice. Um, and then usually come home. Um, my wife and I are big into gardening, so we have a lot of plants to tend to. Uh, so we do a lot of outside work, landscaping work, um, constantly taking care of the garden. Things like that are probably what I do during the season. Uh, in the off season, I think golf is probably my favorite thing to do. Um, so I'm I do spend a lot of time at the golf course, which cuts into um, I don't have to do as much yard work. So. I've kind of taken up that hobby.
0: That's awesome. Who would have thought that you were a gardener as well? What do you guys uh, typically garden? Is that even Um, the correct way to say that?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. So we, you know, we started off kind of small just with a few garden beds and doing some vegetables and it's slowly progressed. Now we, we have three and a half acres that um, has all types of trees on it, all types of flowers. Um, We have about, 10 or 10 to 12 fruit trees um, from peaches to plums to persimmons, um, a few apple trees, a few pear trees. So we're starting to progress into like we got some orchards and we still do the raised
1: beds for vegetables in the summer. So we're kind of just branching into into everything. How cool. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing place to live. But Brendan, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and good luck in the rest of the season. It was a pleasure. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. Thanks, Brennan. We'll talk soon.
1: You bet. Take care. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud to keep up with all our latest episodes.
0: Yes, don't forget to subscribe. As always, thank you for taking time out of your day to spend some time with us on Time Out with Lindsay and Grayson. Until next time.